we're beginning today um, several weeks in a row looking at the, the, uh, the values that animate us as a community and as a church. Um, I was asked to teach a number of times in different places to teach church planters about, about church planting. And um, so I, I had a chance to teach these things at different times and different places. It's kind of fun. Uh, uh, you'll see a, a couple hundred men and their wives, and they're all embarked in, on, a, on, a, on a, an adventure of, of planting and starting a new church, and they're all terrified. I mean, they're all scared, and everybody's trying to put a brave face on, kind of act kind of like, and talking about where they're going and what they're doing. And um, I was teaching them about prayer and uh, the role it had taken in my life and at the time, and uh, this was in Orlando three years ago this past, this past uh, February, three years ago February, and I was, uh, I was uh, teaching, and uh, somebody came up to me, a friend of mine who had run the, ran the whole thing, Bob, and Bob said, hey, you've got to go listen, you've got to go listen to, um, I can't remember his name, let's call him Mike, you got to listen to Mike. He's a church planter, and he's teaching on small groups. And uh, I immediately took offense. I didn't say that. You know, how, how do you, I, I openly reacted this way. Oh, great, thanks. But in, you know what I was thinking inside? Are you serious? You talking to me? I'm a church. I already planted a church. I'm not going to go listen to some Yahoo. I don't know. Talk about church planting. Now, I don't put chips on my shoulder. I put two-by-fours. Okay? That's my, that's my personality. You know, I don't need no stinking lecture on... But, you know, Bob's a good friend, and I had an hour to kill, so I went in, and I went in to sit down. It just got worse. The guy walks in, and he's got on skinny jeans. If anybody has skinny jeans on, I'm not here to offend you. No, I'm just telling you, it didn't, doesn't work for me. Especially this pre- He comes in, skinny jeans. It gets worse. He's got teased little blonde hair that's straight, straight up. And he looks like a surfer. And he's tan. And he's got some Hawaiian shirt on. And in my heart, I despised him. I sighed. He got to the front. I opened up my notebook to start working on something I could would be productive for the next hour because I had already determined this guy had nothing to say to me and nothing I wanted to hear. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what's Bob thinking? And I'll never forget this. The guy gets up and he goes, stops. He's kind of short. I want to tell you something. I want to tell everybody something. I, I, I think you need to know, you know, the things, the thing I care about most. And the, when I remember the reason he said that, I kind of went, you know, I don't care what you care about. I really thought that in my head. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you care about. And he goes, and he starts, you could see all of a sudden this rush of emotion. He goes, I love Jesus. The only reason I'm here is because I love Jesus. I love Jesus, man. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, Okay, that's not, that's not what I expected.
He talked about how they formed their entire church, their entire core group structure, everything about their church, every single thing about their church began with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are ruined and broken and outcast and those who don't have it together, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that this was the great entrance into the church, and this was the great entrance into joy. And he began with tears to talk about how God had reached into his heart and life and ministry with a message that blessing came to the lowest people. And that that was every, and I'm sitting there going, and of course, I didn't get any work done. <laughs> and I was entranced. You know, follow-up. He was so good. I was kind of, he was so powerful. Um, I had my um, mentee, a guy I was mentoring, staying with me. Afterwards, I met with him and I said, I said, Robert, you're not going to believe this. Robert, I'm not going to believe what just happened. Robert, you're not going to believe just how captivated I was by this. Robert, he was with me at this meeting. And I said, Robert, if I ever plant a church again, if I'm ever called to do it again, if God ever wants me to do it again, which is not going to happen, uh, I said, it's never going to happen, not in a million years. But if it were to happen, uh, I'm letting you know, this is where I would start. That is what I would want. That is what I can believe in. I can take that to the bank. Two hours later, at a dinner at a local elder's house, the director for MA asked me casually in conversation hey Chris your name's come up three times about planting a church in San Francisco are you interested <laughs> let's read the text <laughs> let's read it together it's Ezekiel's second uh, second experience of God's glory when he falls down. Ezekiel 3, uh, verses 23 to 24, and then we'll look at Matthew 5, 1 through 3, and see how our, uh, the vision and values of the kingdom are always there. They're, they're here in Ezekiel. And the hand of the I am was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the valley, and there I will speak with you. So I arose and went out into the valley, and behold... The glory of the I am stood there. Now, if you are getting bored or curious while I'm speaking, read Ezekiel 1, and you'll know what he was looking at. A flying angels, burning, a burning man of fire, etc., etc., wheels with eyes. The glory of the I am stood there like the glory that I had seen by the Chibar Canal, and I fell on my face. That's what he did the first time, by the way. I fell on my face. But, 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 the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and he spoke with me. This is the first sermon of Matthew, when Christ went up on the hill and went up on the mountain. Mountains are very important. Mountains are where God meets his people, like he did with Moses. Christ is acting like Moses of the old parts of our ancient writings. He's acting like it. This is his first sermon in Matthew. It's how he begins ministry, much like the way Ezekiel just began ministry there in Ezekiel 3. Seeing the crowds, 
he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, isn't that strange, teachers? You would stand in the ancient world, and I, and I would sit. I kind of like that. Why don't you all stand up and see how that feels? Seriously, everybody stand up. I just want to see how it feels. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I can get used to this. Please be seated. In many churches, by the way, many church traditions, you will always stand for the reading of God's word. And there's a, a respect and authority that's re reflected by this passage. Let, let me pray briefly. Father, I seek you for the, uh, that unction and anointing, that sense of your presence that only comes when you give it, uh, that, uh, that animates us uh, to be able to hear and to listen and to, to know you. And I pray, Father, for, I just pray for wisdom uh, that in, uh, as I preach, as I speak, as I teach, as, we, as I proclaim, as we listen, uh, that learning this lesson, learning this strange lesson, that at the lowest place, at the lowest place, that's where flows fully and freely your grace. I come to you in Christ. Amen. I am sometimes I'm confused by sometimes I'm confused by the Bible and the experience uh, it has. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, uh, after uh, in, in the narrative of how the church kind of explodes. Um, there's all sorts of descriptions of like, really, really amazing stuff happening. Amazing things happening. Churches kind of springing up and great things happening. And, and it seems to me, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but the descriptions of the New Testament feel like they're a locked puzzle box and I can't get the treasure inside. People are living together in unity. People are coming in and God's changing them. People are seeing healing. People are, and then people are drawing close to, close to God and our sense of renewal, revival, and the soul is happening and all these amazing things are getting shaken up and, and, and I look at it or I read it and I get close to the story and I get close to the narrative or I read something like Ezekiel's vision and I just go, well, that's frustrating. That's a bunch of stuff that doesn't happen for me. You ever felt like that? That's a lot of stuff that doesn't happen for me. So why is it that, why is it the Bible would describe stuff I don't get to touch and taste and experience and enjoy? Why does, and in fact, all it does is it frustrates me. It seems like it, it just frustrates me even more. But a lot of times, we're trying to get at some experience of exalting, of the exalting kind of experience where everything is positive. We're trying to get there. Here's, here's us, and we're trying to get, and there seems like there's just this barrier that we can't, we can't ever seem to get over. So the world comes along, or, or maybe our rational faculties come along, or we're critics, or we're, we're skeptics, or we're cynics, and we come along and we just go, all right, we have, two, we have a couple options. You know what? The Bible just isn't really true. 
Those things didn't really happen. That's one option, right? That's, one, that's, what, the, that's, what, you're, that's what many people tell you today. You, you are in love with, you are looking for a treasure that doesn't exist. Except in the minds and imaginations of a bunch of ancient people who were more gullible than you. Stop looking. Anybody ever thought, has that sneaky little worm ever crawled into your heart? Then you think, well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's some, I'm just not good enough. I haven't gotten, maybe I haven't gotten high enough. I haven't reached a height of spiritual understanding or experience or, um, or uh, knowledge or holy, I, I just, maybe the problem is we as the church here in San Francisco or whatever we are, we as individuals, we just have never really gotten to the plateau with which we can experience a sense of God's grace and fullness and beauty and wonder in a way that changes stuff. And we think, oh, I just need to be a better man. I just need to be a better woman. If only I did Bible study and prayer every day. I bet you the reason, I bet you what Chris is going to say is, the reason I never really get there is because I don't read my Bible enough. I know I don't read my Bible enough. Or I don't know I Have you ever thought that? Like you could say the failures in the text, or you could say the failures in you, right? The failures, I just haven't been a spiritual enough person. And I haven't reached a spiritual enough place. But what the scriptures are telling us is Ezekiel is on his face. In some ancient way, this is, I'm going to get, we're going to get down to an ancient spirituality. In some ancient way, Ezekiel, in this 580. Uh, 580 uh, years before Christ is born, somehow he's face down in front of God. I think he anticipates Jesus' first words. His first words. His first insight. His first invitation. His first way of describing the kingdom. What's Ezekiel experiencing? Face, nose down in the dirt before God. What blessing is he in? What happiness? What joy? Blessed are what? He knows it. Even though he doesn't know the words, what does he know? Blessed are the what? He's experiencing it existentially in his spiritual body. Blessed are the what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the vision of what? Glory. The kingdom of of heaven. And it winds up that the only way to get across from us to the exalting positive experiences was not to go up. What was it? It was to go down in the lowest place flows the fullness of God's grace. And we're fighting it all the time. Why don't we want to go there? I'm going to talk about it today. And I realize some of us, some of us just kind of like, yeah, why don't we want to go there? Well, it's fear, right? 
Um, look, there are dark places in Scott's heart and my heart. It's one of the reasons I think we get along. And there are dark places in your conscience and your spiritual experience, dark days of disobedience that you have not shared with people. Low places. And they hurt. When something hurts you, what do you do? When you get hurt, what do you do? When you get burned on a fire, what does your hand do? I think we get afraid. What are some other reasons why we won't go there? It is anti, I don't know, anti-San Francisco. That's what I'm going to say. Anti-SF. No, 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 no. Blessed are the, the together. Blessed are the, uh, Ian said the other day that there was a fleet of Lamborghinis going down the highway, some club or something, was out for a, a, a ride. And what are they screaming at you? Blessed are the rich and the successful and the techies who make it and the, and the financiers who win. Blessed are the Oh, what blessing is better than the envy of everybody else on the road? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, can't you smell that rarefied air? <laughs> it's a load of garbage, you know it. You know it is. It's almost like there's a there's a quiet pact, right, amongst everybody who's on the hunt for personal success that we'll all just agree to act like this is the best thing ever whenever we're together. Even though, well, you just don't let anybody know how bad it's getting inside. In other words, so this is anti all the ethos of this age, the spirit, the zeitgeist, whatever it is that animates. So we have our own personal fears and anti San Francisco. And it says, and the whole spirit of our age, you know, is like, you need to, I need a more positive self image. You know, it's funny, that's why I didn't want to, that's why I didn't want to write James down. That's why I didn't want to write all that stuff in James, because I know there's something against us, something in us is kind of what's, that we are trained from as little kids, be all that you can be, right? You know, you, you can be all that you can be. You know, there's nothing you can't do. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. You're the best. And it's funny how a generation nurtured on positive self-image is more destructive, more addicted, more promiscuous, more devastated, more disillusioned than any generation. I mean, it's insane. And it's, it's, well, I'll tell you why. Because they refuse to learn the lesson that in the lowest place flows the fullest grace. How about in the church? You know, it's shameful. I'm always afraid to let you know how I fail my wife. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I asked for prayer for my marriage because of the way I've been acting at home, and I was so afraid to do it. Why? Because even spiritual community has done what? Fake it till you make it, baby. 
I've got to act like something I'm not. And I've got to pretend to be something so that at least I can be some sort of exalt. And what have I missed? What have I missed? If I, as your pastor, am not willing to stand, or as elders, or as you with your kids, or with you with anybody, and some people we're witnessing as we're learning about the city, and if we are not willing to be the person who is, who is living out the lowest place, and there God is with lightning, beauty, and power flowing of full grace, nobody, we're locking everybody else out, right? If we're faking it about our marriages, our lives, and our hearts, we're locking everybody else out too. We're not just locked ourselves, we locked everybody else out. We've locked them out of the, of the promise of Jesus Christ because the low place is his place. There is a dark and ugly place all throughout the Bible. It's actually a secret room. Nobody was allowed to go in there. It's a secret room and a secret place. You know, there are no, there are no instructions in the ancient instruction manual for the ancient people of God to ever clean this place up. And once a year... Once a year, the high priest would go in, and you know what he would do? He'd sprinkle blood over the mercy seat. He'd sprinkle blood. Do you know what a place would smell like after being splattered with blood every year for 100 years? There's no light in there either. There's no candles in the secret place. It's dark. It's terrifying. It's ugly. It's low. It's scary. It's everything that this place is, like in our hearts, right? When we humble ourselves, it's everything we experience. But this is, what, this is what's so beautiful. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because it's the blessing he's going to know and guarantee, and he's going to bring in his own blood. How many of you ever been to the city dump here in, the, in, uh, in San Francisco? Anybody ever visited the city dump in San Francisco? There actually isn't one anymore because there's, there's, too, much, there's too much trash. We're shipping off somewhere else. Do you remember where we're shipping it off to, Ian? I can't remember. You, it's somewhere. It's like trash. Has that, anybody else? Anybody ever visited a dump ever? Now, I remember you telling me about it. Yes, a couple of us have. Why don't you go there all the time? Why? Oh, you did go there all the time. You were working. You were working in that job. <laughs> because it stinks. Because it's ugly. Because it's wretched. Because it, it just, it's, it's, it's got diseases and, and it's awful. That's the place where Jesus died, on the city dump. You know that's what Golgotha was? Jesus dies on a cross on the city dump, outside the city, where all the polite and powerful people, the people who want to get in their Lamborghinis, don't go. There's no road for your Lamborghini to go to Golgotha, is there? Why? Because in your trip and our search for success, we, we don't want to go to the dirty, ugly places. And Christ, though, went to a place as dirty and ugly and low as you have been in your heart, dear sister, and as you and I have known together, and as we have been. And there's a beautiful opportunity. When Christ, when Christ is giving Ezekiel and the promise of he's flattened his face before glory, and, and when he says... Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, I'm going to make that true forever at the cross. I'm going to go to the lowest and ugliest place for the lowest and ugliest people in their lowest and ugliest condition, and I'm going to rescue them and bring them out. And so the only... And I want to convince you to go to this place. 
I always found the words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, kind of frustrating. So, are you supposed to try to become poor in spirit, you know, in order to get blessed? All right, is there a, how would you, anybody, how would you, how would you try to become poor in spirit? Anybody have any ideas how you do it? Never read your Bible. Why not? I mean, let's, let's, let's never pray. Let's never read our scriptures. Let's do everything we can. Let's, let's, let's get really, really, uh, let's get really, really uh, uh, materialistic. Let's, what, what can we do to have a strategy to become poor in spirit? Because that's the blessing Jesus describes. You're missing the point. What Ezekiel understands in the moment which he sees God's glory, what Christ forges, this is not a journey. This is a discovery of who you already were. You are poor in spirit. You just don't know it. You're already bankrupt. You're already there. You're just... Have anybody ever seen Intervention? That show, Intervention? It is excruciating to watch. It is awful. It begins with you seeing... A man or a woman usually sucking on a crack pipe. That's usually the opening scene. You're kind of like, and then his attracts her, and they refuse to see that as they've lost family, friends, work, and everything else in their life, and, and, and the intervention, the whole idea of getting the family together, this intervention moment is to what? Convince them that what? That they're poor in spirit. Because they what? As long as they're high. Can't see it. Some of you are high on success. It's like a crack pipe. <laughs> I'm the best in my York. <laughs> I get, yeah, really, really? You're like, seriously? I'm so rich. I really have made it. Oh, man, everybody. Everybody likes me. But. Your crack pipe doesn't offend anybody because everybody else has got it, that one too, and they all think that's great, right? <laughs> everybody else around you is like, yeah, take another suck on that because it, it'll make everything feel better. More wealthy, more money, more friends, more, 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 more Lamborghinis, we will be happy. What, what's the denial of the city of San Francisco? It's poor in spirit. This is not a journey, this is a discovery. Two, not a journey, it's a discovery. Two, it's not a, it's a beginning, not an end. What I mean is, God brings you here, and you have to come here. All right, there's something called the sinner's prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's a common way that people begin spiritual renewal and discovery in their life. And the sinner's prayer is just this moment. And the idea is that this is an entrance uh, this, is in this, this, is in the third, this is in the third chapter of Ezekiel. It's the beginning of his ministry. I want you to hear something here. Beginning points, this is the beginning of Jesus' teaching ministry. Beginning points to be full of spiritual power. And there's a chance to begin again because this happens. Oh, this is the second time this happens to Ezekiel. This is where we can begin again. But this is a beginning point where this is where ministry starts. Not where, it's where it begins. It's where spiritual life takes root. And it's where everything 
starts opening up for your life. I, I remember, and, and by the way, don't get the idea, too, that having begun, you don't have to come back here, because you've got to come back here again and again. And this is, a, this is the second time this happens to Ezekiel. And, and by the way, all the Beatitudes grow like a seed out of all this flower. This is an entrance. This is not a, it's not a, it's not a dead end. It's an entrance now into spiritual life and we're being called in. So I'm saying, go to Jesus, tell him you're a sinner and you get the opportunity. Go to Jesus with your ruin and you have the opportunity to go and get rid of fear and unbelief and the idols of this age and go to him and he will exalt you. God opposes the proud. He opposes every tempt to get up over the bump, to get across to his joy and his life and his pleasure and eternity any route other than that way because God's grace flows to the lowest place. It's like water. I poured water here on the ground. It's really kind of fun to do in a room like this too. You pour a pitcher of water, you watch. You watch the water. It'll immediately all go one direction because there's a low point in this room. You can't see it or feel it when you're walking on it. You won't quite know what it is just by kind of getting an eyeball on it. But if you were to pour water on it, you'd find the very lowest spot where all the concrete, usually, what, what do they usually place at that spot? Do you know what the construction engineers, why is they always paste at that spot? A drain. So we could probably find the lowest place in this room by finding a drain. The cross is one such drain. And when you're there, you're at the lowest point, admitting your ruin, and all of God's grace flows to that place. Don't be afraid of it. It's a place to renew, to start over, and it's a place to begin with God because he doesn't leave us there. And it's wonderful. This is not just, this is not the destination now. This is now a part of a new journey that God brings us on of exalting, that brings us on of rescue. And it's the journey I want to take with you as a church. It is. It's the journey I want to take with you, Shell. I want to take together. And it's a journey I want us to have as a community. It's a journey of just going to low places and taking people who are at low places. And in other words, you and I together. Oh, you know what's interesting? I want to give you an idea. Uh, Scott, I'm going to pick on you. So stand up. And stand right here. Now, Scott and I are just getting to know each other and... You know, there's an instant community between two really good-looking men that's really kind of like... <laughs> yeah, you get it, don't you? Yeah, 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 thank you. Even if they don't get it, we get it. All right, so it's tempting for us together to say that we've become close because we feel just great together, you know? Like, we just feel intimate together, like a friendship, that love, that you get me, I get you. And we're tempted to say... That, look, I can measure how effective and spiritual and transformational and wonderful our discipling relationship is by how good we feel together. I'm going to venture something. I'm going to venture something about this. I can be completely wrong with all those feelings. I can be deceived. Why? Because I want to feel like that. Me and Scott together, let's say we're enjoying relationship, we could be trying to jump the, uh, jump the fence here, right? Trying to get over to joy. I'll tell you what the measure of our intimacy in Christ what really will be. Or your intimacy together with me, or your intimacy with your wife, whatever. You know what the measure will be? What the loser feels like when he walks up. What does the stranger, the outcast, the loser, the failure, the person who's broken, what do they feel when they're here? 
like when they walk up and we're talking. Because what's one thing that we, when we get clubby, like to be, let's face it, what did all those Lamborghini guys like about being in Lamborghinis together? Everybody else on the road knew they didn't have what? You're not a part of our club. You're not a part of our club. You know, that's the entire thing they're screaming when they're going down the road. A lot of times we as Christians build community without there ever being an entrance for the poor in spirit. Right to this place. Thank you. Sorry to pick on you. That means that we're going to have to be a place where, of transparency, where the ruined and lost know they are among the ruined and lost who have found Jesus. It means being a place where people can start over and feel safe. It means a place where Jesus is being exalted. You know what I get most excited about for this place and for us today as we go to the table now? You know what I get most excited about this? Because we call this gospel, this good news. You know what I get most excited about? Every time Ezekiel's on his face, the Holy Spirit picks him up. And we have a chance, we have an opportunity, if we fall in love with this beautiful news again all over, of being a place where the Holy Spirit is moving with new power, new power, new life, we're no longer afraid, no longer ashamed. And we're laying hold of who we are and realizing, and we're face down because we know if we're face down and we know who we are, all of God's grace is flowing right there. And the Holy Spirit is going to do what to you and me? What's he going to do to our community? What's he going to do? He's going to pick us up. Let's pray. I love you, Father. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. And your love. I'm so glad that you apparently uh, have no problem visiting the dump that is my heart and making it a place where you will set up your love. And I bless your name for it. Would you teach us anew this lesson? We have resisted going to this place, we've avoided this place like the plague not knowing all along that the city, this culture was lying to us, that our fear was lying to us, that shame was lying to us. Because if we, if we will go like this, bless, if we'll believe blessed are the poor in spirit, that the moment we're the most down, we know that we get everything. And the Holy Spirit visits with sweet love and power to renew us. Would you move with sweet power and love to renew us today at this table. And teach us that this low place where flows your fullest grace, that low place is the beginning, not an end. It's a discovery, not a journey. It's an entrance, not a dead end. This is where I want to put it, Father. All those treasures of New Testament power, would you bring me as your servant and all of us together into them? <laughs> For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.